want to read to you from the 10th chapter of John's Gospel. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not <clears throat> listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and might have it abundantly. Lord be with you. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord, you know how to ride the lame horse. You know how to carve the rotten wood. You know how to take the crooked roads of our life and lead us straight to you by the truth and grace of your word. Lord, we thank you for your word, for your word is true. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> well, Andrew, thank you so much for um, those very wonderful, kind words of welcome. Um, see friends from years back and <clears throat> lots of experiences, named and unnamed. Um, <clears throat> a stray, random uh, sprinkling of uh, five o'clock band, clergy, um, there are people in your family, I love very much. I love you very much. Uh, it's an honor to be here. I want us to do one thing uh, this morning. <clears throat> there is a, um, a little recognized or appreciated treasure in chapter 10 of John's Gospel, which I just read from. You say John's Gospel, chapter 10, anybody who knows about it, they're running off really quickly. To, oh, that, that's the good passage about the Good Shepherd. That, everybody would say that's a Good Shepherd passage. And for the most part, most people, I think, have never pulled off the side of the road and really looked at a little cameo that is part of this unbelievable cluster of images uh, that Jesus brings, almost like a masterpiece in, a, um, in an art gallery in an unvisited room. And it, is, it really comes to focus in this one verse that I want us to think of today. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Chapter 9, verse 9, that is. Um, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved 
and will go in and out and find pasture. I want you this lunch time today, whatever you came for, I want you to stand with me before that door. It's a door that you've been looking for all your life. Um, it is a place uh, that God has been drawing you all the days of your life. Um, the cognitive places of your life, but mainly in the inner places of your spirit, the place that you've most deeply yearn to be all of your life is to come through that door. Whenever I've read chapter 10, up until about 10 days ago, uh, I was always kind of seeing this as a way station on to the Good Shepherd. But I must say that, um, my friends, you don't get the Good Shepherd unless you come through the door. Uh, Jesus longs to be your Good Shepherd. He longs to bring those promises to you, to know you by name, uh, by name, to call you, uh, and you know his voice, uh, to be present with you in ways that you will never be snatched out of his hand. But the prelude to this, which we oftentimes don't get, is that Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone seeks salvation, if anybody wants to have, uh, to come in and out, that is, find freedom and security, a lot of things will promise you one or the other, but no, nowhere else can you get both those. You want to find salvation. You want to find security. You want to find satisfaction. Jesus says, it is through me you must come through that door. Bishop Leslie Newbigin uh, helped me with this as I took a read. He said, the door is a universally evocative symbol. It is the way of access from one world to another. Hear that. Listen to that. It's a way of access from one world to another. Therefore, it is the way that that reality of that other world invades this world. All those things that we uh, most desperately were created for and long for um, come to us as we stand before that door and enter into that door. Why would we be amazed if the Holy Spirit begins to take this very simple image, and it, it's, not, it's, it's just a few verses, but is, is our imaginations begin to unwither, and we stand before that door. Uh, I think the words of um, C.S. Lewis, he says, At present we're on the outside of the world, the wrong side of the door. We discern the freshness and purity of mourning, but they do not make us fresh and pure. We cannot mingle with the splendors we see, but all the leaves of the New Testament are wrestling with the rumor that will not always be so. Someday, God willing, we shall get in. Um, we shall come through that door. And Jesus today and this gospel, and by the power of his grace and by his Holy Spirit, is speaking to you through this word that he brings to offer for you to come through that door. Now, why would that not thrill us as we begin to allow that image, as we allow some of the other images from the other I am sayings of Jesus, I am the bread of life, I am the true vine, and so forth, to take that and begin to see that ignite and find effervescence and to strike our hearts is in a new way is asking the question who Jesus is. Well, my golly, he's the door into salvation itself. 
He's the door into our security. He's the door into our satisfaction. And as we began to to think about standing at the door, uh, why is it that our hearts get almost wrenched out of socket when we are reading along and Lucy steps through that uh, wardrobe door and you begin to hear the crunch of snow and she's on an adventure into another world to find out exactly who she is, to lose her life in order to find it. And then if you love Tolkien, there are always places in there, I couldn't name the one, I just can't. But as, uh, as, as Frodo and Samwise are on their way to, to, uh, to try and get rid of that ring, which is absolutely impossible, and they're always somewhere up along some side of a mountain and the orcs are catching up with them and there's no place to go and there, uh, there seems to be no way. Uh, and, and they're at the end of their rope and, and human resources. And all at once, somehow or another, no accident Tolkien knew his scripture well, somehow or another an ancient door opens up in the middle of the side of that mountain and they go through and they find salvation. And their lives are changed because they've gone through that door, brothers and sisters. Jesus said, and I want to ask you this morning, real simple, where are you with the door? You can't do ministry. You can't can't have your heart healed. Um, You can't become that new creation that Paul speaks of. You can't taste the infinite joys of being around the wedding banquet until we've come through that door and gone through that door. And um, so I ask you this morning, um, wherever you are in your walk, a lot of you have been walking a long time, but where are you before that door? Have you gone through that door? Um, In Mark's gospel, at the very end of the first day of Jesus' ministry, That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered at the door. Everybody knows this world is not what it seems to be. And the first thing I want to say about this is that um, every human life stands outside this door. And to find what you really desperately want... Of the, of the presence of God and of his beauty and of that sense of peace which passes understanding. It's all on the other side of that door. Every human life that's ever created stands on this side of the door. And my friends, the greatest tragedy of life would be for us to stay on this side of the door and to try and seek a real authentic life from the things of this world, from the things of this world. Uh, last Christmas... Somebody gave me a, uh, a book that I kind of keep by my bed. It's only um, enduring uh, impact on me and blessing on me is a non-blessing. It just makes me uh, think that I'm living in the wrong place. It's called uh, A Thousand Places You Need to, to Visit Before You Die. Uh, you know, and it's just one of those, uh, you know, like I say, it's kind of an unblessing. You read, I can't even pronounce Seychelles Islands. I don't know. But it's, it's like a page on every place you've never been. And what it's promising to you is that you don't really have life until you go to these places. Until you find life from this side of the door. Before you die, you better go to these places. 
If you'd go there, it's say, uh, philosopher I studied in uh, um, an undergraduate school, a fellow named C.E.M. Joad, who became a Christian towards the end of his life. He said, trying to find happiness from this world is like trying to light up a dark room by lighting a succession of matches. You strike one, it flickers for a moment, then it goes out. Then he says, but when you find Jesus Christ, it's as though the whole room is suddenly lit up with light. You see, that's what Jesus is speaking to you this morning when he says, I am the door. And it's really important for us to, when we hear that, to realize that the, uh, the definite article always comes with these I am sayings. It doesn't ever say, well, you know, I'm sort of general resurrection. I am resurrection. It doesn't say that. I am the bread. I am the door. I am the true vine. You know, Jesus doesn't say, you know, I'm, I, will, I will lead you to a hallway with a lot of different doors. They all are pretty much equal. You know, pitch, follow your bliss, as the bumper sticker says. Pick your door. No, he doesn't say that. Uh, he says, I am the door. And he doesn't say, if you don't like this image, well, let's just uh, reimagine images for God. Reimagining an image of God that God does not give us is sort of like me trying to re-image my wife, Laura, uh, and make her into that image. If you knew Laura, you'd know how fruitless that would be. Um, my friends, where are you? Before the door. John Bunyan in that wonderful little book I know you all studied. Uh, there's, uh, there he is, pilgrim, uh, with a huge burden on his back. Doesn't know what to do. Midpoint of his life. Struck a succession of matches one by one. They all go out. And the evangelist comes up and he says, you know the door. It's a wicked gate. You've got to go through that one. We don't take no other gate Go no other place. And he said, just a little ways beyond that, if you go through that gate, you'll find what you're looking for is the cross of Jesus Christ. But you go through that gate and you keep going that one door. If you go through that, you'll come to a place with a sepulcher and all that burden and all that heaviness. Everything sad is going to come untrue, as Tolkien said. And all that, that huge weight of shame and the, and the memories it continue to play and the heaviness upon you, it will all roll off your back down into that sepulcher and will never be seen again. And you get that by throwing, going through the door. You go through the gate. There's no other way. There's not a succession of gates. It's not pick your door. Jesus is looking at you. He's looking at me. He say, I stand here. He wants every woman, he wants every child, every man every neighbor, every estranged family member to come through that door and as you do to lay down those things and to come to him and find salvation and to go out and come out and find freedom, find security, find delight, bring us to pasture, we lie down. And I want to say to you this morning two final things. One is, it, it may be that you have grown up in the church 
and you're so used to hearing people talk about what is like what life is like behind that door and the language because you know right one holy you could start on page 323 and stuff like that that it, that you almost think that you're living behind that door but my friends it may well be that you're continuing to live on in a life you never really began you know go to borders bookstores and go to the spirituality section that's going on and a life of spirituality you never began because you never came through that door. My brothers and sisters, that was my story. I was ordained two or three years living in the Mississippi Delta, and we had this beautiful, wonderful black woman who sang, kept our kids. Uh, she would always just roll her eyes at these prayer books and stuff and said, Oh, John, can't you just pray? You have to use a stupid book all the time. And I couldn't. And she said, I want you to come to my church. And I always resisted that. And I said, Bessie, I can't do it. I'm respectfully employed on Sunday morning. She said, oh, we meet in the afternoon. <laughs> and so, oh, my goodness. So I got in the car. We went down to Mississippi Highway. You know, the road gave out. Get on a dirt road. Come to a little white church. You've seen a hundred of them. A light bulb comes out. No light fixture. Just a light bulb hanging out. You go in there. Place is filled with all the black people. Only white person in there, came and sat in the back with Bessie outside. I'd audit the course. And as soon as I got in, preacher looked back and he said, oh, Bessie, who did you bring? He said, oh, I brought Brother, Brother Barr here this morning. Oh, Brother Barr, come up. So I came up and they put me up with the elders and the angels and archangels and all the <laughs> company of heaven looking out. And I had my vestments on, which, uh, and uh, I thought I was just going to you know, we bad, do this, just kind of go through the service, watch big, interesting cultural experience. And I'll tell you what's changed my life. I watched, I watched a man who loved the Lord so much preach, pull out the Bible, and the joy of God and the truth of his word came out through him, unfettered, strong, free, didn't care what people thought, bringing the salvation of God, opening up the door into people's lives. And I was sitting up here watching this man with uh, all the educational privileges I'd had in my life. I wondered whether how far he'd been to school. But I knew that I was seeing something rise up and spill out of him that I did not have in my life. And I looked at him and I, and I said to myself, what happens? I said this. What has to happen to a person to, to be like that? I didn't want to become that black man. But I loved what I saw in him and I saw in his face. And I saw the strength of having entered into another world and, and found salvation. And I said to myself, how do you get to be a person like that? And I'll promise you before God. As soon as I said that in my heart, he turned to me, he slammed shut his Bible, and he said, what am I doing preaching this morning? Brother Barr has been brought here by God to bring the gospel. <laughs> and I will tell you, in the words of Karl Barth, there is no life that is not life out of death. God is not God if he be not the end of man. And in the words of C.S. Lewis, the story of every conversion is a story of a blessed defeat. I have no idea what I said for the few minutes I had standing before this beautiful group of people, but all I knew was that I was shattered because I had nothing to say. 
And I prayed with Bessie later. And it wasn't too many days later, my wife and I, Laura, and I knelt down. We stood before a door. The Holy Spirit came upon us. And we moved through into another world. Where are you with it? Are you, are you continuing on in life? You never really began. And some of you may say, well, you know, that's a good word, but I gave my life to Christ years ago. Your words of ricocheting off my head and hitting the guy in the back seat. There's one other door. And it's for people who have come through the door, who've known Christ, but the years have gone by. And the message has gotten compromised. And the song has gotten weak. And the joy has, has faded. And the strength of, of that first passion, of that first love is gone. And Jesus says this to those people in the third chapter of the book of Revelation. To those of you who walked through that door, but it may have been years ago. He says, and he comes. That door moves. He doesn't wait for you. He comes for you. He's tracking you down like Tommy Lee Jones. And he says, behold, I stand at your door and I'm not. Whoever hears my voice. It's not a generic knock. He's calling your name. Whoever hears my voice and opens that door, I will come into you again. And I will sit down and I will eat with you and I will, I will never leave. Brothers and sisters, it may be that you're here this morning simply to have him come to you again and say, you know, I've wandered away. My heart has gotten stony. My heart has gotten hard. My life is like a labyrinth. I don't hear the ping from the throne anymore. Well, the word to you this morning from the word of God is I stand at your door and I knock. I want to come in again. I stand at your door and knock. If you will let me in, I will open the door and I will come in to you. We'll, we'll have that meal and I will dwell with you and you with me forever. You want that? I think that's why you're here. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, some of us have never been through that door. Uh, we've heard about it. We've gotten used to talking as if we've been there, but this morning you call us to come through that door that we may find salvation and find security and delight. And some of us are here because our hearts are hard and, and, and we know the Bible, but Lord, we haven't felt your presence in a long time. This morning I pray that those hearts would be open to you, that you would come in, invade the hearts of every person in this place today. And come and dwell with us, and we with you, in Jesus' name. Amen.